For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Love has carried us. Scripture reading today is from Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 25. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with thee after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Abby. Uh, I was texting some of my friends from Genesis, some of the other teachers this week, and I said, man, in 20 minutes, how am I supposed to cover <laughs> all of that? Uh, so I uh, hope you haven't made lunch reservations. We're going to be here until 3 or 4. A word about the letter to the Hebrews. Author is unknown. Uh, some people attribute it to Paul, but my money is on Priscilla or Junia. Um, it's written to a nameless Christian community who have forgotten how to get to God. And um, I thought about this text all week. And my friends, Deva and Dan, who I texted, uh, they said, well, maybe you just better pick like one or two main thoughts uh, versus the whole thing. Uh, because we're talking about atonement Sacrifice for sin, priests approaching the throne of grace with boldness, I mean, so many things. And the phrase that kept coming back to me was the very first verse. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. So here's the first all-play question. All plays are designed to get to the voice of the chorus, not just the solo. So what does a priest do? Thanks, Charlie. 
Good Catholic answer, good Catholic upbringing. Works as a mediator between God and people and people and God. That is a correct answer. Shepherd, yep. Administer the sacraments, yep. Teacher, yep. Professional Christian, Shannon, yes. <laughs> My friend used to, who used to also be a professional Christian used to refer to us as that. Well, as professional Christians, we... Yeah, it was very tongue-in-cheek. What does a priest do? Bears the responsibility for the community's sin. Yeah. Uh, so a priest in the time of Jesus and before um, was mostly a butcher, to be honest. Really, I mean... He would spend a lot of his time making sure that the animals that were being sacrificed were cut in the right way, and there was blood flowing, and he would do the sacrifices day after day and week after week because someone needed to be a mediator from God to people and people to God. That's, that's the law. That's what was set up. And as I began thinking about this verse, I began thinking about it less as an abstract reality and more as like I tried to think about an actual priest. That after washing the blood off of his hands, maybe he gets home after his kids are already in bed, kisses his wife, eats his dinner, drinks a glass or two of wine, after supper, pulls out a book, reads it late into the night. And then, right before he's about to turn off the light on his right, to his left, he notices on the wall a shadow that is projected his image, and it's cartoonishly large, because that's what shadows do. His body is all stretched out, head's all stretched out, and then he thinks this thought. Is that, is that what I do? Am I... Am I cartoonish in pretending that I could take away anyone's sins? Does what I do matter? And these offerings I make before God every day, are they cartoons too? And I imagined him staying up late into the night, thinking about those things. Hebrews chapter 10 starts with this word, this verse, since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who approach. So this sermon is about recognizing all the mediators that we use to get to God over and over again, even though they don't work. It's also about remembering how it is that we really do get to God. So, most of us in this room don't look to a priest to be a mediator between us and God. 
But the word law there um, really signifies any ceremonial thing that you do to get okay with God. So here's the next all play question. This might require some vulnerability, but Joe has already led us right into that, so we're primed, we're ready. What are some mediators that you use to try to get okay with God? Yeah, Joe, hard work. Yep. Confession. Yep. Thanks, Charlie. Say it again, Bob. Letting go. Yes. Good intentions, Micah. Good. What else? Ooh, who said that? Nice. Justifying. Thanks, Andrew. Forgiveness. Notice these are all good things, right? Mediator, a mediator is a good thing. Acceptance through friends. Thanks, Linda. Um, Don't raise your hand. But how many of you feel okay with God these days? You're good. God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. Because none of us is as we should be. You feel a deep sense that God likes you, feels affectionate toward you. How many of you feel like you get to God just really with ease and a sense of just like a two-year-old running to his mom? If, if your answer was, well, I'm not sure, or well, not really, then you probably have some mediators that you're really working hard at to get to God. And I wonder if you might have the courage at some point over the next 24 hours to try to name them. What are the the good things that I'm doing? Remember Hebrews 10.1, the law is good, but it's it's a shadow. And and what I recognize a shadow does is is it, it takes the form, the true form, but then depending on the light and the angle of the light, it gets all stretched out and you can't really trust it. So you actually have to refocus on the form itself, the object itself, instead of the shadow. The mediator is the shadow. And it always what? A shadow always changes, depending on where the light's coming from. So if your day is going good, maybe you're right like at high noon, you know? And it's, the shadow is really pure. But most of us don't spend a whole lot of time at high noon, do we? Most of us are looking at the shadow, and it's all cartoonish and grotesque, and it's never going to get us to God. So um, I, I spent some time this week thinking about some of the things that I do in order to get to God. And remember, I'm a professional Christian, so I should be better at the rest of you at this. Um, <clears throat> So I, I try to do this. Um, I try to feel bad about what I've done 
or what I haven't done. So I, I, I roll that through in my mind. Wow, man, that thing that I did, should have known better. Man. And I think in that, man, I'm sort of trying to pretend like that's what brings humility or that's what brings me back to God. But it only brings more shame, to be honest. Now, you can name it. Didn't do that well? Okay. Now set that thing on an iceberg and push it away, you know? Or worrying about the things that I should have done but didn't do. Anyone in with me on that one? Henry's like, my work is done here, man. <laughs> know what I'm saying? I didn't even cry when Steve held me. All the other kids cry. <laughs> he is wondering why Becky wasn't up here, though. I mean, that's... Uh, no, anyone with me on that one? Things that you should have done but didn't do, and somehow rolling those in your mind, like that's the mediator that's going to get you right with God. But it doesn't. Another thing that I do, I think, and Joe kind of said this, but um, I, I try to get it right the first time. You know, relationally especially. And I think if I get it right the first time, then that's going to be a way that I'll be like Jesus. But I have to, I, I, so confession time, that phrase like be like Jesus, it's just I, I need to be like Jesus, really actually bugs me. Um, I think if I'm with Jesus enough, then maybe over time, I might almost by accident start to act like him. But if I try real hard to be like Jesus, then that just becomes another mediator. Do you know what I mean by that? Let me ask you, what do I mean by that? Being like Jesus is not the same as being with Jesus. Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca, there's a hustle in that. There's a try hard in that. Yeah, Jenny, it feels unattainable. Being an imposter, thanks, Pam. Being who you think you should be, not who you actually are. Thanks, Sean. And then Beth, you said something. It's easier. It seems like, well, just do the right thing. You know, remember the bracelet? Oh. Right. Yeah, we're focusing on like, well, yeah. I mean, the high points of, Eric said, um, you know, we look at the high points of his life rather than the ordinary moments when he's eating hummus and, you know, falling asleep while Peter drones on and on. <laughs> so um, another thing that I try to do is, and I think we try to do, especially in the evangelical culture, is believe the right things. That's, that's what gets us right with God. And I think this is actually the, one of the main, um, I don't know if it's quite a heresy, but it's close, 
that the way to get right with God is to believe the right things about God, and that's the only way to get right with God. And I think that's real dangerous. I had a conversation with someone this week who works with uh, families uh, with LGBTQ plus kids, and you know the statistics of kids who are LGBTQ and who complete suicide, who are in a faith community that um, chooses to believe what they think is the right thing versus choosing to come alongside a kid that is LGBTQIA+, um, those statistics are staggering. What does it mean? What does it mean to move toward a person in love in a way that you hold the tension of right doctrine as a tension? Not saying, I believe this or I believe that, but first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that like, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to go in one way or another, but I'm just, I'm going to get to know a person first. And that's what Joe led us into. Thank, Joe, you were just right on the money today, um, leading us into what does it mean to recognize when you're othering somebody, and then just, you know, okay. So believing the right things can become a mediator that doesn't really work. Amen? That's a tricky one, though, right? Not saying believing the right things isn't important. I'm not saying it's not a real foundation. But, but, I don't think believing the right things is the same thing as getting right with God. So, how is it that Jesus is the mediator that makes it possible for God to get to us and for us to get to God just as we are and not as we should be. I had another conversation this week with someone who said, okay, just explain this to me. What is atonement? Right? And so um, Google that when you get home later because I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Or don't. <laughs> Maybe don't. Do you know there's, there's like, there's nine or ten theories of atonement, all of them biblical. Um, and the truth is, my best understanding of what makes us right with God because of the sacrifice of Christ is that through some mystery, God's love for us showed up in the life, death, birth, and resurrection of Jesus, and that's what makes us right with God through some mystery that we don't really understand. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, that, it says, uh, Abby read it, his body becomes the curtain through which we can go right in. And the access is to everybody. Um, verse 14, that Abby read a single offering Christ has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Perfected means to carry through completely, to accomplish, to finish, to bring to an end. So all the things that we're trying to do to get right with God has already been completed. And that is good news. 
Then, but maybe you said, wait a minute, like, for by a single offering, Christ is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. Okay, but what does sanctified mean? Because that sounds like now we're back to only the, the few. And it, here's what it means. It means to have been stamped as sacred and set apart by God, which is done through some mystery, through the life, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, whereupon the love of God is stamped upon us. For anyone who wants it, anyone who's hungry for it. And then verse 19, friends, we can now, this is the message translation, friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place because Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going because Christ always keeps his word. And that's how you know you can be okay with God because Christ keeps his word because through some mystery, Christ made the final sacrifice whereupon we can enter into God's presence just as we are and not as we should be. And from that interaction, like when you actually get a taste of that, that's what gives you the courage to turn around, repent from some of the ways that you're maybe falling away from God. That, that, inner, that being in God's presence gives you then the courage to do all those things, believe the right thing, even feel bad about what you've done without getting crushed. But if we're feeling bad about what we've done without the experience of being in God's presence where we experience endless oceans of grace and mercy, then we're just going to try hard our whole lives. And that is a tiring life. Amen? So my prayer for us is that we would enter into the presence of God exactly as we are and not as we should be because none of us is as we should be. Amen? And we would simply believe that through by some mystery, Jesus really has really made the one sacrifice that makes that possible. Amen? Amen.